Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading from a devotional book put out by Voice of the Martyrs. It's called Extreme Devotion. This book catalogs the struggles of God's people over past years. Today, we're visiting Iran, a beaten believer in old Iran. We are the clay, and he is the potter. One believer stood at the window watching the midnight streets for movement that could signal the police closing in on the worshippers. The Christians were meeting secretly in the southern part of Iran. The foreign visitor added to the danger, for Iranian police would be furious to know Christians were sharing fellowship with an outsider. One believer had recently been released from police custody, and the bruises on his body told about the treatment he had received. Although the police watched him closely and knew of his Christian work, he continued, ministering as much as he could when he wasn't under arrest. He spoke with passion and urged the gathered believers to grow more like Christ, regardless of the cost. All of them knew that the cost would be high, for all of them knew Christians who had been arrested, beaten, or murdered. Others had simply disappeared. The wonderful service was long and worshipful. Afterward, the amazed asked the speaker about his prison experiences and the suffering that he had endured. How can you, he asked, keep such a spirit of hope and cheerfulness in the midst of these troubles? Well, the Iranian believer said, these trials are just tools in God's hands. Who am I to criticize the tools that God uses to make me more holy. Isaiah 64, 8 says, Yes, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Humans have a fascination with the future. For centuries we've consulted astrologers and others claiming to know our futures. We've written books and made movies based on the concepts of uh, time travel. We want to know what lies ahead of us on our journey through life. Just as the clay cannot ask the potter what it will be, however, so we cannot ask our maker what we will be. But we can trust that God will create something beautiful and holy with our lives. We know by faith that we are the products of God's hands. In what ways do you need to trust that God, the master potter, is making you into a work of art? If you'd like your own copy of Extreme Devotion, which is not a free book, email Voice of the Martyrs at thevoice at vom.org. That's thevoice at vom.org. We're also reading today from the January 2024 edition of the magazine that Voice of the Martyrs puts out every month. Call it a magazine or extended newsletter, but it's talking about the things that are going on today as opposed to what I just read about something in the past. This is from North Korea, and it's called Out of the Flames. An did everything the North Korean government required of him, including nearly sacrificing his life. In the end, though, it still wasn't enough Born into an upper-class North Korean family, An's devotion to his country and to the Kim dynasty began at an early age. 
His father was a member of Kim Jong-il's special military unit, an honor that came with both responsibilities and great privileges. My relatives were pretty much all related to security forces or police, said Ahn, now in his late thirties. Ever since I was young, my parents taught me to be faithful to the Kim family. While hundreds of thousands died during a famine known as the Arduous March in the mid-1990s, An's family was largely unaffected. When I went outside to the street when I was young, I could see the corpses of the people who died from starvation, he said. But because I was in a high-class family, I never starved. With such privileges, An's family revered the Kim family more than the average North Korean, though all citizens were required to worship the country's supreme leader, at least outwardly. As a youth, An was recruited to join the North Korean army, and after several years of testing and training, he began his compulsory 10-year military service at age 17. He said his first assignment in the elite 6th unit was to protect one of the Kim family's yachts, and after five years of service, he was promoted to a supervisory position. While standing watch one night, the barracks where ten of his soldiers were sleeping caught on fire. His primary concern was not the safety of the sleeping soldiers, however, but the beloved portraits of Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il that hung on the walls. North Koreans are required to display portraits of the Kim family in every office, classroom, and living room. The portraits, which are considered holy, must be cleaned daily in a ritualistic way. Government officials even conduct (coughs) house checks to ensure that the portraits are handled and displayed properly. In emergency situations, North Koreans have a sacred duty to save these portraits People who do so are often praised as heroes by state media and rewarded by government officials. If the portraits in the barracks had burned, An said, the incident would have been investigated, and if it had been determined that he could have saved them, he probably would have been sent to a prison camp. He had no choice but to save the portraits from the fire. Badly burned, An spent eight months in the hospital fighting for his life. His hands and head suffered the most severe burns. Today he wears a wig to cover the scars on his scalp. During those eight months, there were countless times when I would have possibly died, he said. I had surgery around 40 times. When I saw how my face looked for the first time, I fell into despair. Two times I contemplated suicide. An received no government reward for his heroic act because the nation was focused on mourning the recent death of Kim Jong-il. At the time, An said, I, I thought it was unfair. But now as I look back, I think it was God's providence. In lieu of a more official reward, An's supervisor gave him a certificate that allowed him to leave the military before completing his required ten years of service. But three months later, a government official called on, demanding $300 for that certificate. 
He argued over the phone with this man, telling him that, that he should have received the 300 as a reward himself, instead of having to pay a bribe to a government official. After receiving this phone call, An said, I, I felt betrayed by the North Korean authorities. It was at that time that I decided to defect from North Korea. In 2014, An and his sister defected to China, where they lived for a year before finding someone to help them move to South Korea. Thinking it would be safer for them to make the move separately, An crossed the border first. But before his sister could leave, Chinese authorities arrested her and returned her to North Korea, where she was imprisoned. With no way to help his sister, An focused on getting settled in his new home country. For North Korean defectors, that means spending six months at a resettlement center, undergoing background checks and learning the basics of life in South Korea, a country far different from their own. While at the resettlement center, North Koreans are encouraged to explore different religions. And so uh, each week, An attended different worship services, mostly, he admits, for the for the dried squid that they offered the attendees. But he also attended the services to meet people. And eventually, after exploring various faiths, he attended a Christian worship service. At first, I just went to the church because I was lonely, he said. But through the serving and love of the Christian people, then I became curious about the Jesus that they believed in. As I learned more about Jesus... Then I met Jesus. As he adjusted to life in South Korea, An said he never wanted to think about his home country again. It had hurt him too much. And then about four years later, he learned that his sister had been released from prison and died a short time later. An was devastated by the news, but he took comfort from reading scripture and attending church. In 2019, he began attending a 12-week program at his church called North Korea Missions School. I didn't want to think about North Korea, he said. But as I went to this program, I thought, ah, God is making me think about North Korea again. Through the missions program, An visited a shelter in Thailand where North Korean defectors study the Bible for three months and receive various forms of care. He met a woman there whom he later married, and he also found a new direction for his life. After going there, that's when I received the calling from the Lord to go to seminary, An said. In the time he has been away from North Korea, An has reassessed his former life from the perspective of his new life in South Korea and his new life in Christ. In North Korea, he had been taught that Christianity was evil. He remembered seeing a government film that depicted Christian missionaries as criminals who came there to corrupt the people. Missionaries are viewed as American spies who came to Korea under the guise of setting up medical infrastructure, he said. We were told they would actually take the children and, and take their organs out and sell them. An said he now understands that North Korea's devotion to the Kim family is a religious cult. I didn't think of it as a religion at the time, he said. 
After attending church in South Korea, however, he saw how the rituals and beliefs taught by the North Korean government attempted to mimic Christianity. Juche, the North Korean philosophy of self-reliance that underlies the nation's government and way of life, states that the Kim family is divine, immortal, and worthy of all prayer, worship, honor, power, and glory. In addition, possibly because of Christianity's strong history in the region prior to the founding of North Korea in 1948, the Juche ideology has even tried to adopt a sort of triune godhead. However, unlike the co-equal trinity of Orthodox Christianity, Juche upholds three separate gods with Kim Il-sung as the father, his first wife Kim Jong-suk in a supporting role, and Kim Jong-il as the son. Since becoming a Christian, An has continued to notice how the Juche cult has borrowed certain practices from the Christian faith. For example, praying in the morning is common among Christians in South Korea, and something similar is practiced in Juche. In North Korea, we had the same exact thing, he said. We didn't call it morning prayer. But the people get up at 5 a.m. and go to the statues of Kim Il-sung, and they wipe them down with a, a wet rag and and bow down to them. And while Christians commonly gather for Bible study, An said North Koreans gather to study the sayings of the Kim family and strive to live according to their teachings. In the same way as in church you have the word of God, he said, we had the word of the Kim family. You write on a notepad, the great leader said, and under that you have to put how you violated that during the past week. And you have to analyze the reason why you did that mistake. Then you have to write the plan you have for preventing yourself from making the same mistake in the future. As the Bible encourages Christians to confess our sins one to another, North Koreans participate in self-criticism meetings. And as Christians look to the Ten Commandments as God's law, North Koreans follow Juche's Ten Principles. If someone is interested in knowing specifically what it means to be faithful to the Kim family, search the Ten Principles, An said. When someone gets accepted as a Communist Party member, they have to memorize the Ten Principles. I had to memorize those principles. An continues to minister to North Koreans through camps for defectors and in various other ways. Recently, he started a prayer group for students who are second-generation North Korean immigrants. An is also studying theology at a Christian university, while his wife, who recently had a baby, is studying Christian music. My dream is to prepare well here through God's Word, and then in the future, when reunification happens, to preach the gospel to the souls in North Korea, An said. Although he tries to stay in touch with his mother and older brother, who still live in North Korea, An learned last year that his mother had been imprisoned for ten months for talking on the phone with him. He said that she lost almost 40 pounds from malnutrition while in prison. I was in the military's sixth unit, he said, which means I know a lot of secrets about North Korean authorities. 
Since they can't have revenge on me now, they're having revenge on my family members. An asks that people pray for his ministry work, his continued studies, and his family's safety. And he also requests prayer that more North Koreans will come to know Christ. He wants Christians in the West to remember that God loves the people of North Korea, though they are led by a brutal, cultic dictator. You can forget all of the story if you want, all of my story, but but don't forget the people in North Korea. I want you to remember and pray for the souls in North Korea whom God loves. An estimates that tens of thousands of North Korean Christians are held in prison camps for political prisoners. According to our way of thinking, they are not able to come out of these camps alive, he said. But maybe God has some way for them to be able to come out of the camps. He said he looks forward to the day when the two Koreas are reunited as one country. Many on both sides of the DMZ long for reunification, especially older Koreans who were separated from loved ones when Kim Il-sung founded North Korea. An said he believes reunification would lead to a flourishing of the gospel, and some of his family members would be among those hearing the good news. Until the North and South again become one nation, however, An and many others will continue to proclaim the gospel to North Koreans by any means possible. And they are doing that, by the way. Also, by the way, and this is not from Voice of the Martyrs, we know that, that it's possible that if the two Koreas unite, it could be under communism or juche and not under freedom. We don't know. Do pray for this nation, will you? If you'd like to be put on the mailing list of uh, Voice of the Martyrs uh, and receive free your own copy of the VOM newsletter magazine, just contact them again at vom.org, vom.org. And this is the Hackberry House of Chosun. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.